0: Agriculture Applied. Innovate. Relate. Create. With NDSU Extension. Grab a cup of joe and settle in to ponder innovative ideas with today's producers and NDSU Extension specialists. Join me in reflecting on generational changes which can help us create a better tomorrow. John Rickardson, a research agronomist at Hedinger Research Extension Center, is a farm boy from Nebraska with a love of science. His work involves variety trials and applied crop research looking at production considerations, such as planting dates, fertilizers, seed treatments, and anything else that might improve crop production in Southwest North Dakota. Though his current job does not have an extension appointment, During his time at SDSU, his boss got him involved in doing presentations at summer tours and crop meetings. After finding he actually enjoyed presenting, the rest is history. And so far, no one has thrown any rotten vegetables at him yet. Alrighty. Alrighty. Well, welcome, John. I really appreciate you agreeing to help with one of our agriculture applied um, podcasts and everything. Um, how are you doing today?
1: Well, we're doing wonderful and I'm excited to be part of this. It's actually going to be the first podcast I'm going to actually be talking on instead of listening to.
0: Ooh, ooh. So no pressure, but um,
1: yeah.
0: it better be good, right? Oh,
1: <laughs> certainly it will be. All righty. Well,
0: you know, to kind of kick things off, Extension has been described as being a partnership with the North Dakota State University, County Extension Agents, researchers, and specialized specialists all working together. You know, as a research agronomist, how do you fit into that puzzle?
1: Well, certainly I, of course, research agronomist means I do the research part of, of this whole you know, partnership. Um, so I, I'm the one actually putting studies and trials out in the field doing that, that research. But I certainly rely on extension agent specialists to disseminate the information I provided, you know, the work I've done, results we find. Um, in their publications, their meetings, whatever, farmer phone calls. Um, but also on top of that, extension engines are valuable for actually finding out what the needs of the producers are. We mm-hmm. certainly have far more interaction out with the public. I try to do some of that, but you know, our researchers, we tend to get caught up in our own work. Um, I would say uh, researchers tend to and be more introverts too, so we're right. just quite fine sitting in the drill or in our office in our own little world. So certainly rely mm-hmm. on agents to see what the needs are out there. What's happening out in the field? What kind of problems are we seeing? What insect problem has popped up? Or those kind of things. I don't get those calls like the county right. agent does. So well, valuable resource.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know coming from my perspective, it is so nice to have those different specialists and you researchers that I can reach out to because... I mean, let's be real, I'm never going to know everything, and you never know what's going to come through that door. And so I think that's something really special about Extension is the network and the variety of, you know, opportunities and resources available to folks.
1: We do have a wide amount of resources, and I actually appreciate that part, too, because even in research, I'm kind of an expert in my little area dealing with variety trials and applied research, but I'm not so good. I'm not a pathologist. I'm not an entomologist. I know the basics of those things and understand that, but it's nice to know even when I'm having problems, I can uh, refer to no no pathology specialists at another another station or or in Fargo to raise my problems or be looking at also research ideas. Mm
0: -hmm. And it it extends nationally as well, right? Correct.
1: Yeah, I'm not beyond, yeah, it doesn't stop at the borders. I'm not beyond calling somebody from South Dakota, Nebraska, whatever, if it tends to be their expert in that field or for some more related to say corn and soybeans which we don't do a lot of out here
0: right but we're starting to kind of expand in that area but we just don't have the
1: yeah we don't necessarily have that background or expertise or the years on them like they do elsewhere right so oh right. yeah certainly i work a lot especially with uh with the researchers and specialists up and down the high plains mm-hmm. so say Panhandle, nebraska even down to colorado kansas yeah no um vast extension of networking
0: opportunities for sure you know as a you know a research agronomist you have so many different topics and ways that you could go with your research you know what drives the focus of your agronomy trials
1: well i would say a big part of what actually we do as the research stations or research extension Centers out in the state, one of our priorities actually is variety testing, so we're testing, I test about 20 different crops out here, um, small grains, pulses, flax, canola. We did a hemp trial last year as a new one, so looking at new alternative crops, mm-hmm. so that's kind of a big focus, and also working with the NDSU breeding programs. I have actually several of the advanced nurseries yield trials for like the uh, pulse, which is peas, uh, lentils, chickpeas, uh, flax, uh, a lot of wheat variety trials out here, right. so, so that's kind of, I look at that, that's kind of been about half the work I dare and do, and then the other things we're looking at, because we're outlining stations, we're doing more of the applied kind of research, you know, so mm-hmm. we're looking at things, you know, you kind of look at some of the basic things, like with a new crop, we mean looking at, say, planting days, what's the best time to say plant hemp, we're looking at a new crop, right. other things that we're looking at, you know, Different things come up as far as fertilizers, application timing on wheat. New products may come out. Those Mm -hmm. kind of things we'll be looking at, um, looking at seed treatments. Just kind of those, some of the basic kind of applied research. Something that hopefully we can find some results on. That something that the producer could pretty quickly adapt and use in in their program.
0: Right. So then, when somebody calls into my office and they're wondering about what's the best wheat variety, I have some. Factual, research-based answers Correct. for them. We
1: are, and we are the un- unbiased resource for that. Also, I mean, we are. I mean, just basically out looking for our best. We don't have a product to promote, so we hopefully are finding the best way to do that. I mean, it can be a challenge to decide what is the most important thing to look at right now. Right. Um, so, so many other
0: factors to take into to consideration, and the year, and
1: year, what crops are important right now, you mm-hmm. know. And it's it's some things here, you know. And I've worked with some, you know, you're looking like with new alternative crops. Some things look like they're going to take off. I worked here with Carinata a few years back, looked like it was really going to go somewhere, and then the company just kind of backed out, looked like, okay, I guess it's not going to work, even though the crop looked very promising. Right. We weren't going to have a market, so it just doesn't make sense to really put more effort into that if it's not applicable to what they're going to be able to do.
0: Right, right. No, that makes total sense. You know, specifically today we're going to be talking about a soybean population trial. You know, how did this trial come about?
1: I mean, really, what it has to be about is—is is, I mean, soybeans keep creeping west. I mean, mm-hmm. we get get more and more of them. They've actually added, you know, here like three, four years ago, added more counties into the federal crop program. Adams County happens to be not one of those. but We order them. I think it's probably only a matter of time, or even of that. But I mean, that to be honest, I started in January, and I probably was one of the first things I did sometime, and I know, and that was to write some letters of adaptation, which I'm saying soybeans—you could grow them here, right? Um, because we didn't have crop insurance and they need that letter for a new grower to do that and it's just you know soybeans just we see we're more and more acres you drive around you see them and what we don't have is I mean soybeans are a crop you know they're really coming over from you know the corn soybean belt other side of the state where Mm -hmm. it's wetter um you know higher potential those kind of things and we just didn't have a lot of good data as you know uh, really a lot to do with it we're With the variety trials, I was starting to kind of get a handle on maybe what maturities Mm -hmm. worked, but I had some questions, especially about seeding rate, especially for the typically we're 20 to 30 bushels. I mean, we're half Mm -hmm. of what they're or less of what they're yielding over there, so we want to kind of keep costs down. We just don't have the potential there, and if those lower yields can I get by with lower seeding rates? So that's kind of what I went into that, kind of going off off of some work uh, that I had done in South Dakota many years ago.
0: Right. Well, and I suppose this year being such an outlier as far as precipitation, that might have played into or skewed some of your results. Well, I wouldn't
1: say they have skewed it. Uh, That's one of the things where that's true of any of the work we do out here. We need multiple years Mm because we just don't have our weather. I never say normal anymore for right. weather. We don't have a normal weather. We have averages. So, yeah. you know, okay, it averages a little under 16 inches of rain here at the station over the last 16 years. Right. But was, we all know that's a range that can go as low as like eight and I'm sure, you know, we've seen probably pushing 30 somewhere in the past. We certainly have had a, some wet years here mm-hmm. where we've been in the, you know, 20 to 24 inches, you know, rainfall at times or 18, you know, where we've been exceptionally wet. And of course, yeah, then things like corn and soybeans start looking really good. But right. they can kinda of go the other direction when we get those, you know, two thousand four two thousand six mm-hmm. years where we don't get a lot of rainfall.
0: Yeah. Well, I just thought of this. Maybe instead of researching you know soybean trials you need to start working on some sort of invention where farmers can, can like gaze into this crystal ball and predict what the weather forecast is going to be for the next year what do you think of that
1: i wouldn't be working here anymore <laughs> like we all say if we can predict the weather i mean and that is such an unknown even with the, the models and everything we have now and you know el nino and La lanino we understand those things we still do not know how that's going to impact and even then Weather is so localized, you know. We had mm-hmm. that, you know, where in, in 2017, we were horribly dry here. I mean, nothing. Other places, you know, we went just a you know county over. It wasn't near as bad, but we had a pocket here. We just could not right. get any moisture. So, and I mean, it can be very localized too. I mean, yeah, if you could just predict the weather, you know, when's it gonna rain? rain? When's it gonna hail? You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's a bigger question for
0: sure. <laughs> well, you know, I guess coming back to your soybean trial, When you were heading into this, what were you hypothesizing? What were you thinking?
1: Well, I knew I'm sure we could reduce rates, and part of that is actually even in the Corn Belt, they've been reducing... The recommendations for soybean seeding rates I, you know, I think partly because you know soybean has gotten a lot more expensive i'm I, you know i'm kind of gray you know you can't mm. see that here but i'm kind of gray i'm getting older you know, again you're aging
0: that. yourself
1: i know but uh, you know back in the day when i was getting into this you know in the uh, in in the 80s in the corn belt it wasn't uncommon for you know 180,000 even 200,000 you know an acre mm-hmm. but you know you could also buy a bag of soybean seed for like five bucks Right, because it was pre, pre, uh, uh, you know, uh, Roundup Ready or any of our traits, so you know, it was cheap, so it was kind of a cheap insurance you could do that, even though we knew that soybeans. But on the flip side, we always said if you only had half a stand, it was still enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So, looking at that, but it's interesting, you've noticed, I've noticed, did some looking when you start going looking, like what Iowa, you know, Minnesota, you know, Indiana, those recommended seed rates, they've actually dropped those down, you know, to you know, where they used to recommend 180,000 to over like 220,000. And they've dropped their recommendations to one hundred twenty-five to 170,000, kind of, mm-hmm. depending on where them. you're at. And I also noticed it seemed like there was some relationship to maturity, probably because of the amount of plant growth you get. The farther south you got, the lower their recommended rates. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and actually came across more than one place that said, if I actually have 100,000 uniformly spaced plants, that was probably plenty out there you know of course you always want a little insurance for stand laws and those kind of things but anyway i thought we could lower that and i actually did some work in south dakota we talk about this but it actually ended up when it was really dry years, so it was Mm -hmm. you know i only got you know nine bushel soybeans so but you know you could you but really, even that's
0: I, beneficial that's to, know. Like, to know, like worst case scenario. Worst scenario. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and to be honest, in that year, I actually had rates that were down to twenty thousand, and they really didn't—they didn't yield any less than the one that was at one hundred and sixty thousand. But mm-hmm. you know, we're talking single-digit yields, so I mean, right. we we're dealing with really, really good. So I just wanted to look at that and see, you know, okay, I mean, what can we do? We got a crop that's maybe a little more economically, a little more marginal. What we well, need to keep costs down, and you know, mm-hmm, which one the of those plant less. And then actually, on top of that, is always something I've been a little curious about. Uh, you know, drilled versus rows. You know, that's a mm-hmm. question I get. Thirty-inch. You want know, go out there and use my thirty-inch planter, or do I just plant it with my drill. Right. So I, I also had that between it. So I actually, you know, initiated a trial. So I've got seeding rates between twenty and one hundred eighty thousand on twenty thousand increments, and have that both drilled in seven-inch rows, and then also in, in with a row crop on thirty-inch rows.
0: Right. So there was no wasted space. Everything that you could capitalize on, you did. And you're kind
1: of thinking, why'd you go clear down to 20,000? Well, we're doing research here. And sometimes it's really interesting to see what's clear on the end of those extremes on the bell curve. Same way I went to 180. I know we're probably never going there. I thought about actually even going to 200, but I thought, "Ah, I don't think I'm going to really see anything there. Push that. Push that, but I I went real to the low end because it's kind of interesting to see what that response is.
0: Yeah, so you were interested to see the responses. Were you surprised what actually happened?
1: Um, not, not really. It kind of come how how I had thought. Um, kind of what I saw from work for South Dakota. But I think that kind of relates to the fact we use you know down there we we're in a, like say a one point five maturity. If I'm at Wall, South Dakota, when I was SDSU doing this, versus up here where where this I'm doing this study on a point two, which I consider kind of a probably a good ideal 0.2 to 0.5 for this this area that maybe we need to go a little higher and what i showed was certainly from 100,000 to 180 wasn't seeing any difference you know one year even 80 pretty much was the same or mm-hmm. you lose very little by going down to 80 it was you know starts to right. fall when you went 60 40 to 20 um, so that part didn't surprise me a lot so i think you know very but it expected. was nice to actually have the data behind it to, to right. look at that now what did surprise me is the first year 30 inch rows and drilled no difference they were within you know like less than a half a bushel of each other no significant mm-hmm. statistically no difference um now this last year there was a five bushel difference i think that's where we're going to see that weather effect you in mm-hmm. know into it and actually the drilled rows were better you know it was really a, a wet year i've seen some things where i worked at south Dakota where you get really dry you were better off in wide rows. Right. so i think that's one of those i don't know it's going to depend on the year maybe which better but i found really interesting like i said in in 2018 we actually i mean absolutely no difference between those two mm-hmm. as far as how they you know yields went so that right. that was kind of interesting and then the other thing that actually um, was kind of interesting was the the protein versus uh, protein versus oil mm-hmm. as as seeding rates you know went up we saw some differences as far as as how that that went so you know you know as seeding rate increased The oil content went down, but the protein went up. It was Mm kind of interesting. We're not really paid for protein or oil and beans at this time, so it's it's that's not something like rely on. It'd be one of those things. If we were, you could say if I want, you know, if I want higher, you know, higher oil, I need to actually go lower populations because I gained Mm -hmm. actually over that whole thing over right. And with all the
0: the different yeah. specialized markets that some people are getting into, into. The, I mean, it I mean might a, you yeah. might be
1: something you would think about i yeah. mean if you really wanted to be another factor if you wanted to you know at least tweak protein or oil a little bit so i found that interesting and I didn't realize that would happen, though after I saw that the first year, I did go digging a little more. And mm-hmm. I guess it is an uncommon to see that with seeding okay. roots. So it probably has to do with, with inter- you know, how the, how basically those plants are setting on their protein and oil with mm-hmm. with how close there's competition between right. those plants. Right. Um, so that one was kind of another interesting, surprising result I wasn't expecting.
0: Yeah, no, I'm it's kind of fun to see those things come out and... Then you're like, okay, yeah, I kind of know what I'm talking about Everybody, when things go according go the to ra- plan. And they don't
1: always, in that science, sometimes things don't turn out where you like. I mean, we did some stuff where, I mean, it, actually, the Eric did up here with Pat Carr and, you know, promoting wide rows and corn, which I was really poo-pooing, but there was something to be said it, in a really dry year. You actually do get better yields on a wider row corn because it saves moisture mm-hmm. in between. Now, there were some other things where I know some producers did work with it, but, but weed control an issue, seeing maybe right. some more problems falling. But, you know, it doesn't always turn out like you like think you it th- would, will. Yeah, just that's why we do it.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, for sure. So, you know, moving forward, what is the next step?
1: Well, I've only done this for two years, so I certainly want, you know, we always say at least three years on this. This mm-hmm. is what actually, it's a fairly easy study. So I think right. I'm going to continue and probably try to get like five years to data. partly because I just want to get some different years. And especially if mm-hmm. I don't, if we keep... Having some wet years, I want to get some dry years in it, too. right? Because that'd be the other factor too. I, I suspect as we get to drier years, we can probably even drop population more. Once again, we don't have that magic ball you were talking about. To predict right. The weather, so I think we have to go off of what it's likely to happen if it's a little on the wetter side and keep my yields up. I'm not going to lose much otherwise. But I would like to see, especially on the row, you know, rows versus drill. Right. It, what that happens in a in a drier year. So I certainly plant. We'll be running it. I I will probably run it another three years just to get some more more data on it. So. Hmm. And then you know, after we go with that, you always move on to you know maybe tweaking some some other things or looking at, or maybe fine tuning those seating rates and down a little more. I don't have to go mm-hmm. with that whole broad range. And okay, we say it looks good between say sixty and one hundred and twenty. We can put more of them in there, and maybe you know fine tune right. that a little bit. Right, tweak more things looks, a little looks, bit. Looks right. looks like, and then maybe even do it over, do it over that, or do it over some more maturity. You know, mm-hmm. do it that from a you know say a, say you know a double lot nine up to a, a mm-hmm. point, point 0.5 or something and see if there's okay. some differences there. So, but, you know, that will lead on, you know, you always, ask, it seems like you get more questions right. as you answer things.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about questions, you know, how can farmers utilize this? information.
1: Well, I mean, that's what I, one of the exciting, you know, things like this is something like where you're looking pretty immediately adapted, pretty easy to change seeding rates, especially in this day and age. It's probably just sitting on that screen in the cab of your tractor, you know, as mm-hmm. far as changing those seeding rates. And, uh, 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 you know, something pretty applicable, easy to do, and you know, they can look at it going, oh, I can drop my seeding rates, I can order less seed. You know, right, and that bottom that. line. Even the plus side seed dealers saying that's not so good, but I'd say on the plus side, that actually keeps people growing soybeans out here, you mm-hmm. know, or you might get more if you can actually make it because it's maybe just a little bit, the economics of it look a right. little bit better just because I can use, use less seeds. So, I mean, I think looking at it like that, like I said, it seems like even with the initial work I've done right here, it looks to me like, if I'm at 100,000 seeds, you're you're well covered i yeah. mean you could even drop a little more on that but i'm quite comfortable with saying there wasn't any difference between 100,000 hundred thousand to 180. Yeah. Rate. no so, that's that's very so, exciting news you know, for producers so like I say, you could do that certainly no more than 120 and i can say easily 100 is is enough mm-hmm. certainly here and, and yeah. if you wanted to you could you do you did. the even at 80, or that was like within a bushel or two, depending mm-hmm. on the year. So, and what was even surprising, even clear down that 20,000, which that's less than we, not a corn we put out there now. You right. Know, I say I'm planting my corn trials at 24,000. I put so it means they yielded 60 to 70 percent of what what the stuff did at 100, 180. I mean, even those very low rates. So, I mean, it just shows, which you know that, is soybeans have a tremendous ability to branch out and put lots of pot on one plant. Mm-hmm. They start to look kind of like kochia plants. You know, <laughs> as they branch out and do like that, maybe a little harder to harvest. But, that, I mean, another factor, like we used to say, you know, if you had a half a sand of soybeans, don't replant because you're going to get up more, give up more or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind be the same story here. No, if you did have somewhat of a stand for the year, I'd, I'd take a look at that stand pretty hard before I'd replant it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds good to me. Um, alrighty, so how can NDSU Extension be of assistance to producers in this area of topic?
1: Well, I mean, you know, that's one of those things, like I said, this is kind of one where, you know, as, as agents, and specialists can already be disseminating that information, you know, mm-hmm. in, their, in their meetings or whatever, or same story when somebody's calling you and asking you about, why the first, you know, I'm growing soybeans, so you have some questions, you know, what's, you know, one of those things might be population, mm-hmm. those kind of things you immediately use to disseminate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing we can look at is, and I mean, especially with the equipment we have now, and it's very easy for produ- a lot of producers now, do a little on-farm testing. Why we say that? You can try that here. I mean, you don't have to use all range I did. Just look at two or three different rates on your farm with the varieties you are growing. It's pretty easy to to do some strips Mm -hmm. at different rates. And we have yield monitors, those kind of things. And you could, you know, you know, maybe zoom in that help. And that's one of those things you can do. But we're certainly, as agents or as specialists, you know, advise you exactly how to maybe set one of those up too. So you're actually getting useful information. But, I mean, as I always say, see what it does on your farm, too. I mean, especially in this day and age, it's pretty easy to, say, like on a population, um, to change that.
0: Mm -hmm. Just as you're going down the road. Yeah, I mean,
1: like I said, with all the, you know, modern equipment, uh, auto-control, hydraulic-driven drives and everything, and like I said, it's all controlled on that tablet in your computer, you know, that that controls all these things on your planter or drill. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, makes life a whole lot easier for yeah, a lot of folks. That's
1: right, it is. I mean, it, technology can be frustrating, but as we all, it's also some, you know as we all know quite you know taking a lot of the drudgery out of things too. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, oh sure. Well, I can tell that you're a pretty curious person. After all, you're a researcher. You gotta have that <laughs> cu- that mindset, you know, spe- specific to farming. What's something else that you're really curious about? More in your personal life, I guess you could.
1: Well, I mean, I've always been interested in how plants grow and those kind of things. And I I, I mean, probably a big factor with me is, um, you know, I've kind of got, you know, interest in this new regenerative ag movement, Mm -hmm. obviously going that direction. But I mean, the amount of things we actually can do, you know, culturally to control things versus, you know, applying some sort of chemical or other solution, but what other ways are incorporating livestock back into the operations and mm-hmm. all these things can be you know, don't work for everybody, but you know, i was curious how they'll work and it's, you know, there's some very interesting stuff going on there about, about you know, when we start growing plants together, that's one of the things I want to start mm-hmm. looking at even more, looking like co-cropping like peas and canola. Right. You grow two crops together, there's some work out there that says the total yield will be different. Now I'm going to have to go through the effort to screen that out, though it's like canola and peas. That's pretty easy to screen apart. Right. Um. So so I mean it's, it's interesting, there's so much that goes on in the soil that we're learning about but I think we know like 1% of what's actually going on down there mm-hmm. you know, and that description of the soil a lot of times a little analogous to a, a cow's rumen because you know, right. of the microbe activity and the bacteria and all that goes on in the soil, I mean soil's just not a sterile thing we plant into. Right, There's Definitely a lot not. going on there. And I, we're learning some, but I think we just have the tip of the ice. Just, yeah, scratching the surface. And and I'm also a little excited about, so then we start looking about things maybe we can apply, then it won't be chemicals anymore, but there'll be bacterias or positive mm-hmm. fungi or those kind of things that we can promote or apply, you know, mm-hmm. to improve production or take care of disease problems. I think there's some exciting things currently. great
0: No, for sure. I was just going to say it. It's going to be interesting to what see what farming looks like five, ten, you know, 20 years Yeah, because it's now. harsh.
1: Because you even look at the past, you know, you talk about, you know, you just can't see the future and you don't know exactly what's going But you got some ideas what, it, you know, is happening there. And then certainly we're on the technology side. We're certainly things are going to get more and more automated that mm-hmm. way. I mean, I, I see the day there isn't anybody out. You know, you're just going to be, I think we're a ways off of it yet. But, I mean, there's going to be a time where you're not actually even out in that. In the mm-hmm. field, you're going to have that auto, you know, auto steer, auto equipment taking care of it. You know, you get to show up when it quits working. You know, just like right. reboot the computer.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it'll be like my plane flying
1: from Thailand that delayed for two hours because they kept having to reboot the computer. You know, <laughs> it was comforting, I think. I'm not sure. So. Right. Well, I mean, we made it back. That's <laughs> we, did. Part, we did. We right? did get out of there. But it was the plane backed up, backed away. You know, they pushed it away from the gate. Went to start the motors. And the plane went dead. Mm-hmm. And then just sat there and then you kind of figured, oh, I bet there." Had, it, was, it was a very new Airbus, and you're going, oh, I bet there's computer issues, and there was. Right, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind
0: of crazy how things work. You know, so in your definition, what, how would you describe NDSU Extension?
1: Um, for one, I think it's very positive. We still have a very uh, we're fortunately a state that still has a, I think a robust robust extension you know we still have people out in the counties is you know I, I think there'll probably be some changes coming up that mm-hmm. way in the future but we I think I think it's still respected as a source of, of information and, mm-hmm. and helper to producers so the good and I think we have information there and and I've also been very pleased with how how the state and the producers actually too seem to still support extension and want right. to have it there and also still want to have you know the universities out there doing doing research so i mm-hmm. mean i think that's very positive um, and i guess you know that 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 also leads it back to us to keep providing useful right. information for them
0: yeah, it's like a big circle. It's all it connected is. at the end so, of the day. So,
1: that that that's where it's important. Like, especially like I said, with the agents, to see what you know, I mean, what is the producers, what do they need? Be out, you know, you know, being out there, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, so you can feedback to us researchers. You know, okay, here's what they're, you know, here's some of the problems they're having or things to look right. at. And sometimes is. The other thing is, I think we're getting better at, is looking more holistic. I mean, this is kind of a trial why I'm looking at one thing, but I mean, we do, we need to look at that whole system, you know, helping people as far as even, you know, rotations, those kinds right. of things. Right, how, how, how is it all connected? How does it fit and together?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You yeah. know, and and You know, because it does all factors to have cattle. That can change how I do things and what, what right. works, what doesn't, and and even some positive impacts if I have cattle grazing now, let's say I can cover crops on my farms. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, no, it's definitely a kind of a domino effect. You kind of tick one down, and then before you know it, yeah, it
1: is. You, you just so, don't yeah, know where I've it's going to go. I'm not concerned about running out of of, of things to research or, or look at or right. do. You know, it's like I said, it, it becomes a harder thing. Is what what's the what's the priority or the need? Mm-hmm. Right.
0: No, I can understand that. All right. wrapping up. Is there anything I should have asked and I didn't?
1: No, I think we've, you know, did pretty effectively covered kind of what this study does, and like I said, some of the initial findings, which I think are all really applicable, and kind of a little bit of background of what you know a little researcher thinks and and does, mm-hmm. and why we do things out there, and you know. You know, I would say with it, you know, as, as part of it, I'm, you know, I think as both of us, we're always happy to hear. I mean, what are, you know, people out there, what are some things you want us to look at? Or, you know, what are we doing good? What are we not? Right. You know, so both ways. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and what do you want to do? And, you know, and, and we always have constraints what we can look at. I mean, people, there are people a lot of ideas and we just have to figure out what, you know, what the priorities are and what we can do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's kind of same story. As we get better equipment, I make actually you know what I amount of plots I can put out now what I could use to because right. we now actually have better research combines. I just got a new no-till research drill, and Woo-hoo. I have auto steer and all this stuff, which once I figure out, I think's gonna once again allow me to do a better job, potentially put more plots mm-hmm. out in the same amount of time. Or well, and you want to have similar things.
0: equipment to what it the is, producers out there are
1: using. I actually now have a drill with a John Deere 90 series pro opener on it, which is that mm-hmm. John Deere no-till drill is the predominant drill in this region. So, I mean, use equipment that they're using and, you know, and, and, and it's probably one of the better, you know, no-till options out there. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit down with me. I know, you know, a little bit of what my goal to do with this podcast is resource or extension is such a great resource for people out there. And so just giving them an opportunity to learn a little bit about you know the format of extension what we can provide to producers in the different areas of north dakota and i mean across the nation because as we mentioned earlier it's not just confined it's not
1: just here and if you're doing especially something like a podcast that's accessible anywhere right so. yeah so
0: thank you again and uh, we'll hopefully be hearing from you again
1: Oh, I suppose I'll uh, maybe commit to doing this on occasion.
0: So. <laughs> I know. I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> Alrighty. Alrighty. So before we wrap up this week's episode of Agriculture Applied, there are a couple thank yous that I would like to extend out to some folks. Starting off with, if you found yourself tapping along to our theme music, that is Chuck Suki, and we really appreciate him letting us have the rights to his music and being able to play it in the background of our podcast. I would also like to take the opportunity to thank you, the listener, for tuning in, and I hope that you continue to follow us on this journey. You know, these are the first couple episodes, and my hope is that it only gets better from here. In general, if you ever have any comments, questions, or concerns, always feel free to reach out to the Adams County Extension office, and our phone number is 701-567-2735. You can also shoot an email my way, we're on Facebook, Adams County Extension, or, you know feel free to stop by the office. The coffee is always hot and ready for you. Alrighty, have a great week and we'll catch you next time.